You like to be active. You love exercise, and you just want to make sure you're getting the most out of your time spent sweating. There's so much conflicting information about the type of exercises to do and how often to do them that it can be hard to identify the workout program that best meets your needs. All About Fitness is here to answer any questions that you may have about exercise and equipment and programs can help you achieve results in the shortest period of time. My name is Pete McCall and I've been a fitness educator for almost 15 years. If you have any questions about exercise, don't just ask a personal trainer who may have just received his or her certification last week. Ask someone who's been training trainers since flip phones, cassette tapes, and portable CD players were all the rage. Please note that all the information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting an exercise program, please consult your physician to identify any possible risk factors that could be a potential cause of injury. Welcome to episode eight of All About Fitness. Today we'll talk about pain and how you can use exercise to help alleviate the causes of chronic pain. A number of Americans deal with chronic pain on a regular basis. One way of dealing with pain is to use the drugs which mask the symptoms of pain but don't do anything to address the causes. A much better way of dealing with chronic pain is by eliminating the causes of the pain. The right exercise, movement, and flexibility program can be extremely beneficial at addressing the actual causes of pain, which can allow you to get back to participating in your favorite physical activities without having to undergo a knife or any expensive medical procedure. My guest today, Anthony Carey, has established a long and successful career of helping people deal with pain through exercise. Anthony Carey has a master's degree in biomechanics and athletic training from San Diego State University. He was recognized as a 2009 Personal Trainer of the Year by Personal Fitness Professional Magazine. He has two best-selling books, including The Pain-Free Program, a method to relieve back, shoulder, neck, and joint pain. I'll have a link to that available in the show notes. He has invented the Cortex Reactive Training System, which was featured on the TV show Sweat, Inc., and travels around the world to educate fitness professionals on how to use exercise to relieve pain. Anthony also owns Function First, an extremely successful fitness studio in San Diego, which has received numerous awards as being the best training facility. And one little thing many people don't know about Anthony Carey is that he was a former high school quarterback operating out of the great state of New Jersey. So he's representing the East Coast out here in sunny Southern California. Before we get to our conversation about how exercise can help relieve your pain, we have to wait for a couple words from our sponsors. Active Motion Bar, and Vicor Fitness. Active Motion Bar, A-C-T-I-V, motionbar.com. The Active Motion Bar features a dynamic resistance which creates a unique training challenge that can actually be 170% more effective than training with static weight bars. Active Motion Bar, let the resistance move you. All About Fitness is brought to you by Vicor Fitness, V-I-C-O-R-E fitness.com. Vicor Fitness are the manufacturers of the new TerraCore, a movement variability training system that you have to see to believe. Check out vicorefitness.com to see the TerraCore and learn about the hottest new fitness product in 2016. 
so Anthony, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got uh, got into the field of personal training? I've been in personal training now for 26-ish years in that neighborhood. Um, early on, I uh, really didn't get into anything traditional in the personal training sense. Um, right after undergrad, I went into graduate school and started uh, with the sports medicine program at San Diego State. And uh, once I got finished there, I actually went right to working with a gentleman named Pete Agoski for a couple of years uh, that people may be aware of. Pete's name is one of my original mentors. And um, from the from the start, I was really working with people in chronic pain, and uh, but been obviously intertwined with the fitness industry as a fitness professional and educator for many many years, and uh, love to see what's going on. Also, love to see the evolution of our of our business. Well, Anthony is the uh, owner of uh, Function First here in San Diego. How many times have you been voted uh, best uh, training studio in San Diego? It's been a number of times, right? We've been best, I think, three, and we've been runner-up two in the last five or six years. So, so what, do you fo- what do you focus on here? What is your, your focus in terms of, of exercise? We originally began predominantly with people in chronic pain. That's it. And um, over the years, uh, we continue with that and working with that population specifically, and, and that's what we're known for. But we've also evolved a bit where we're, we've introduced more traditional fitness-related programming and goals based on that underlying ethos and philosophy of, of how the body moves, how the body responds to stress, and how we prepare ourselves for moving forward in life. And that's, what type of clients do you see? I mean, who, who comes in here? I know you get people from all over the world, actually, because um, you, you're one of the specialists in the area. And what, what type of people do you see? Well, uh, interestingly enough, we see people of all ages. Um, I've worked with uh, teenagers uh, in chronic pain, and I've worked with 90-year-old twins (laughs) in chronic pain. But as you can imagine, one of the things that most people associate with getting older is is that they're supposed to be in pain, um, which of course is not true, but uh, it's it's a belief system that many people have. Well, that's what I want to ask you about. I was just reading through uh, your article and idea about pain and managing pain. And it seems to be, I've only read a little bit about this, but having done a little bit of work with you over the years, I I know your expertise in this area. You said that belief about pain. What do you mean by that? Well, there's many factors that contribute to what we would consider the pain experience, right? So pain is no longer looked at as a sensation. It's looked at an experience. And for a lot of people, that's a complete shift in their their understanding and and, uh, what they, how they have always learned what pain is. And you can think of pain in the same context that you can think of as uh, being in love, right? There's a lot of words we can describe and there's a lot of um, feelings associated with that, but it's very personal, it's very subjective. And so the pain experience in and of itself can be dependent upon not just that mechanical, what we call nociception, which basically means either you are chemically, uh, mechanically, or thermally received some kind of stimulus to your body that it didn't like. And so real quick, so, so usually with traditional, I'm used to hearing, thinking about pain in terms of mechanical sense. Like you do something, bang, you bang your knee, sprain your ankle, and there's mechanical damage to your body, and that's pain. So the, the new research is, is talking more about an emotional or psychological aspect of it? Well, so, as a contributing factor. So what you're describing is absolutely still true. Okay. But the interesting thing is what you're initially receiving is information. It's not pain. It's not pain until the brain says it's pain. Hmm. So basically the brain says, hey, this is a threat potentially damaging to us, so pain is okay now. And that's with especially important with acute pain. You touch a hot stove, you sprain your ankle, something like that. But for the chronic pain, anything that's been three months consistent or six months intermittent, that starts to be cut, uh, categorized as chronic pain. 
And so if you've had something for that long, it doesn't really serve a purpose anymore. And so there's a lot of things that contribute to that pain experience, meaning that there doesn't have to be damage to something in your body to still have pain. Think of um, phantom limb pain, right? Hmm. There's, no longer a, there's no longer a leg below the knee. And, 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 a, and somebody wakes up with excruciating pain in a foot that's no longer there. And why is there pain there? Because the nervous system has adapted and there's still a representation of that foot in the brain. So for, for an example, and that this, see, I think this is what's fascinating. I don't think people realize that there's such a psychological aspect. So just for example, if I went running and wearing a certain pair of shoes and I rolled my ankle when I ran, my ankles heal, but if I put on that pair of shoes again and maybe I run the same trail, would I have like a psychological, would, I, would my brain be remembering the, the trauma that, that the ankle experienced? Am I kind of thinking about this the right way? Partially. I okay. mean, that's definitely part of it, but that in and of itself may not cause um, cause the ankle pain unless the, unless the ankle is not adequately healed over the course of that three months. But there'll be other things going on. You'll be like, hey, I better be careful along this route because this is where I sprained my ankle again. I'm, I'm consciously or unconsciously changing my gait and tightening up certain muscles I haven't bef- used before, which, which could lead to other mechanical stress on my body. There's an increase in anxiety about that particular uh, portion of the trail or where you're running. So all that does indirectly lead to a change in how your body uh, experiences that run. And that's interesting. So then if I get fearful, so if somebody's fearful because their neck's been bothering them for an extended period of time, they will begin to lock up and protect themselves, which causes muscles to contract and restrict joint motion, right? Is Absolutely. That okay. Absolutely. And so through exercise, how do you address pain through exercise? Because you're not, and I want to be clear, you're not a physical therapist, and I know you don't advertise yourself as one. But you, you focus, your specialty is exercise to get out of pain or exercise to avoid pain. Right. So how do you do that? What's the well, secret one of, sauce? The, the secret sauce, the end game, um, without getting into the whole back end of it, but the end game is to have the body move with, with more confidence, less threat. So the nervous system has to be able to realize that, hey, this is safe. Now, if I keep doing the same old, same old, or what brought me in that maybe either consciously or, again, unconsciously I've been doing or developed over the years, we got to strip that away. So we do that through a biomechanical model. We look at, okay, well, this looks like there's too much muscle activity here and looks like you're not using a good distribution of the the stressors on your body by the way you're turning this way. How can we influence that in a subtle way with exercises that ultimately we build on that expands that movement catalog that the person has available to them? So you get comfortable, you kind of, because I think a lot of people that go into the gym or that a lot of people exercise regularly, especially once you get 35, 40 and over, I think we're kind of conditioned to accept pain as part of the exercise. Would you agree with that? That we kind of, in, in this day and age, like the whole no pain, no gain, that if I'm not hurt, if I'm not hurting a little bit, then I'm not doing it right. Right. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. And there's also an expectation, which goes along with beliefs again, that you're getting older is associated with feeling pain. And with that is the belief that if I'm showing degeneration through an MRI or an X-ray, I must have pain because my knee shows this or my spine shows that then I'm supposed to have pain. And that's not, that's not accurate either. And so you're, you're basically, when you, when you have people exercise, so people can exercise out of pain by kind of resetting the system. Would that be a right way to describe that? Like rebooting the system or re, kind of writing new software in there? Yeah, that's and you know, a metaphor I use just like that is I, I tell people that the way that we're moving now is think of it as, as tracks on a CD-ROM, right? Okay. okay. So this, this generation is going to remember CD-ROMs, <laughs> not just MP3s, right? And that CD-ROM plays the same way that you put it in your car, in your computer, in your uh, stereo at home, whatever. What we want to do is we want to take that CD-ROM, we want to scratch the hell out of it, and then we want to lay down new tracks. 
but those tracks have to be in such a way that your body's receptive to it. So one of our sort of our pillars that we stand by when we're working with people is we ask, we don't tell the body what we want it to do. And that lowers the, the, the defense mechanisms and the perceived threat to the nervous system, which makes the person move more comfortably and with less pain and less stress. Well, without violating any confidentiality, can you give me an example of just like a general, like of, of how you, like of a major thing that you help somebody with? Like if it was a back or net, whatever, and how, like kind of what your thought process was with that. Sure. So you have somebody come in and, and they've got a history. Let, let's say somebody, very common these, that we're seeing on a regular basis is spinal stenosis, which is a narrowing of the, where the, either the spine comes down through the vertebrae or the, where the nerve roots exit out the side. So you can have, just think of less space for things to move in the spine there. And people become very limited in how they move and, and there's certain movements that are more provocative, increased symptoms than others and they gotta sit down to get out of it. So people, if they get into extension, so if, if, a, if the person listening to this was to lean back, right, standing up and back bend a little bit, that's extension, it just needs a little bit and that would provoke them. And as soon as it starts to do that, now they become fearful of that movement all the time. And even before they go into extension, whether they're reaching overhead or they're back, back bending for, for a necessary reason, their, their nervous system anticipates what's going to happen, their brain anticipates what's going to happen, and then things start to tighten up, pain is going to probably come anyway. So if we, if we progressively teach that body that it can get into a little bit of extension through different ways that are novel, in other words, the nervous system and the brain don't recognize it as the same old, same old. Hmm. Next thing you know, they're doing extension and they're not having pain. And then they build that tolerance. And then pretty soon they can do regular extension now because they realize the nervous system says, hey, we've got, we've got proof. We've got historical reference that we've done this before without pain. Now we can, now we can continue down that path. So you move the same joint through, through the same range of motion, but you do it a different way. You put it in a more protected or you, just, you change the inputs. Because I think... Your seeing, your sight, everything is all sensory information, right? Correct. So if we change that a little bit, it changes the information to our body. And if we then move from there, that's what can help alleviate the pain? That can be one of the ways, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you're doing that in a lot of different ways. Ultimately, before you do anything, the, the nervous system, the brain, and the person consciously has to feel like, hey, I'm safe, I'm in good hands, you know, I'm not, in the, I'm not with a bunch of, like, muscle heads that are going to uh, just make me forced to do things they realize that this is an environment for healing There's, so that plays back into the psychosocial aspect of yeah, all this yeah. that that's really important can't have blasting music I can't be there in my my string t-shirt and my McMike, my T. Michael's pants and looking like you know um, I'm just a muscle head I've, I've got a everything about the the situation has to be conducive to this person's healing and I think that's a big a big takeaway is that you know for years we always think this whole this whole exercise attitude is, is, is has to be all or none, right? And that's one of the things that, that is a little bit frustrating in working in commercial fitness, like in health clubs. People think if I'm not slightly sore, I'm not doing it right. And then people work through pain. If they work through pain, if, they, if they're a little sore and they keep working through it, what's gonna happen? How's that get worse? Well, especially if it, if it is a, a part of their body that it's, it's not just muscle soreness, right? Yeah. You know, where if they took two or three days off, it would heal. These are, these are people that are constantly kind of low grade but continual irritation to structures in their body that are that are beating it up so you do have that mechanical aspect of that happening but you've also got that continuous input where the nervous system is saying hey this is this is really not good for us and, and if we're gonna get this person to stop doing what they're doing we're gonna put some pain there so that, and then that pain continues and then it becomes sort of the new normal nervous system gets sensitized to that and then it, then it's a continual experience that the person has it changes their movement patterns again and I think that's what people don't realize is that they do have an option with, with exercise. They can exercise pain-free. 
Absolutely. And what are, what are some ways, I mean, what are some of your recommendations? What can somebody, what's something that somebody could do right now listening to this that could maybe start moving them away? If they've been experiencing pain on a regular basis, how can they start moving away from pain and more towards like unrestricted motion? Like, is there a move or what, what would it take to, to go down that path? Well, yeah, that's, that's a difficult generalization to make, but I think a great place to start is that a lot of people um, associate whatever they're currently doing that has created created pain or they felt like it was related is a problem because that's the only thing that they think they can do. A great example is a lunge, right? If we if, if we ask your listeners right now to, to visualize a lunge, I can pretty much be assured that 99% of them are going to think about the exact same movement. But you and I know that, well, we don't have to lunge that way and we can still get this great work of our lower body by stepping this way or stepping that way or turning this direction or doing this with our hands or our upper body, right? So if people realize that there's options within the movements that they consider, even people that run think that, oh, I can't run anymore because I because it hurts my knees. Well, there's a lot of things that you could do that stimulate or simulate running rather um, that would still be beneficial. So we have to understand that with that sensitization and that whole kind of biopsychosocial model that we look at with pain, there's a lot of things that people think are the only options. As soon as you broaden your view of what exercise is, now your options become almost limitless. So it's, and that's, and I think that's an important thing too, is, is if I'm always thinking of exercise as one thing, if I think of doing, taking one type of class, is my only form of exercise. Can that can that cause pain? If I'm only doing, say, I love indoor cycling, and I'm doing indoor cycling four or five times a week, can doing too much of one thing actually be a cause for pain? Sure, we're huge, huge fans of, of the whole concept of variability and what that does for us as a system, right? And we know that um, evolutionary, we didn't stick doing one thing all the time. So you, so you love cycling and let's say that your back starts to hurt when you're on the bike and you were doing it five to six days a week now what's going to happen is if you can't bike anymore a you're going to think i can't exercise anymore but b you lose that huge social aspect of what you got from that group class and the other people in there and the instructor and that whole thing which then kind of magnifies um, your anxiety about exercise and, and kind of puts a damper on your views of what you can do for exercise instead of saying okay so i'm stressing too much tissue on a regular basis, not giving enough variation, I'm gonna lose that social aspect. Psychologically, I'm gonna believe that I'm gonna get you know, deconditioned and, and my health is gonna go down the drain because I can't exercise, I'm making air quotes right now, I can't exercise anymore. And really, you just need to broaden your view of what exercise is. And that's why, because I see that, I've been teaching indoor cycling for years, and I see people that they don't know how to do other things, and that's kind of, even if it causes them pain or discomfort, they're still gonna work through it because they think that's what it's supposed to be. So talk about variability. What what is variability in the concepts? I know you you've actually invented a piece of equipment to focus on on what you call reactive variability. So what role does variability play in exercise? Variability is is the ability for us to expand what our body's capable of doing, right? What we can tolerate and what we what we can um, respond to in terms of environmental stressors or environmental conditions in general, right? If the only thing that I ever do was learn how to walk upstairs with my one foot in front of the other, the next time that I have to walk upstairs and somebody bumps into me, I don't have the capacity to be able to recover from that and regain my stability and potentially avoid injury. If I challenge myself with variable aspects of movement, all of a sudden what I can draw upon when needed is available to my nervous system and my motor system. Not to mention, going back to the bicycling or indoor cycling class example, I get to dissipate stress throughout my system. So now I'm building positive stress throughout my system instead of repetitive stress 
to the same structures over and over again. And I think that's, I, I love the fact that you're using stress because that's one thing I, I, I talk about often when, when, when I work with people in the media and, and I try to answer people's questions is we fundamentally have to realize that exercise is physical stress we apply to the body. So if we're constantly applying the same stress over and over and over again, we don't allow the tissues to adapt and we don't allow the tissues to recover. So the concept of variability then is if I do different things on different days, if I do cycling, if I do yoga, if I lift weights, how's that help the body? Well, it's exactly what variability is right there. And and we get an opportunity to challenge our nervous system and our our structures and give them different kinds of stresses. And as you say, something like yoga might be more restorative that kind of day, wherever you're doing that sort of thing. So you're building in this option to continue to exercise, continue to move, continue to get the the social aspects that you get from it, Um, uh, the intellectual side of, of the endorphin release and all that as well. But you get to do it without maximizing your your existing capacity you're expanding your existing capacity instead now let me ask you that because there's a component there's a cognitive component to exercise too right if i if i'm doing the same stuff over and over again that gets pretty repetitive and there's not as much cognitive or not as much intellectual stimulus right right but if i if i do different if you do different exercises or different movements how's that benefit how's that benefit the brain well, as soon as your, your brain needs to make new connections, right? So it's got it's to basically take that input. We, the brain, the nervous system in general, loves things that are interesting. So if you're doing the same thing over and over again, it gets boring, right? So at that point, no longer does your brain have to make these various connections. You start using much more of your brain capacity when you're, when you're moving across planes of your body and you're rotating and all those things that are a little bit different. Your vision is having to adapt to, to changing environments. Your head's tilting. All those things that contribute to interesting input to the nervous system basically makes new neural connections, right? The brain's got to start to fire and wire to di- uh, together in new ways. And again, I'll just use that analogy of expanding that movement catalog that we have available. So we could, to make the analogy, if I'm doing the same exercise program over and over again, it's causing me pain. It's like I'm walking around with a flip phone from 2001, right? <laughs> flip phone that doesn't work all that right? <laughs> Yeah, flip phone on, a, on a, like an old whatever it was, 1G, net, whatever that first network was. Exactly. But I'm, I'm walking around with a 2001 cell phone. Now, if, but if we add variability, if you talk about adding variability, meaning you do different exercises, you use different intensities, would that be akin to walking around with a Galaxy smartphone on the fastest high-speed network? Yes, and also using all the apps available, or at least more apps, right? So if, you use, if you've got the flip phone, the only thing you're doing is calling and texting on it, right? You, you've, you've kind of maxed out the capacity of that flip phone, and that's all you're going to keep doing. But if you've got something that's much more, uh, has much more capabilities, and you're using, making access to those capabilities, so where they serve you on a daily basis, then yeah. Okay, so, so talking about exercise, I think people, that's one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast overall, is to get people to think about exercise and fitness is it just doesn't serve how we look. It doesn't just serve, kind of give us six-pack abs. I mean, it can, but from, from what you're telling me, Anthony, it can get, exercise can relieve your pain, correct? Absolutely. And, and the right fitness program can also make you smarter, correct? I would agree with that, too. And so I think in, the, in our day and age, especially as we get older, what would your recommendation for somebody in their th- late 30s, early 40s, what would, be a, what would a great fitness program look like to keep them out of pain and help them move towards the life they, that life they want to live? Well, I would view exercise in in multiple ways, right? So people, gen- again, lump everything under one umbrella as exercise. 
There's exercises that we do that are designed for either restoration or uh, improving the quality of overall motion, right? And then we have exercise that we do that's geared a little bit more towards adding really good stresses that creates hormonal changes and the stuff that you speak about and how important that is for us to maintain kind of, especially the males, their vibrancy as, as we get older. And then there's, your, then there's more of your aerobic stuff that you're gonna do for basically for brain health, right? And, and we know that completely from the discussion of fat burning, um, if we look at aerobic exercise and what it does for, for brain health, we know how important that is from children all the way up, uh, all the way through the lifespan. So when you, if you view your exercise sort of that way, maybe you've got three lanes that, that need to be taken care of, and they don't have to be mutually exclusive, like Monday's restorative days and Tuesday's is heavy days and, and Wednesday's is cardio days. But when you look at that capacity that, I, that you need to fill those lanes on and that, those buckets on a regular basis, then you realize, well, I can maintain this quality of movement, which allows me to add more load on my heavy days, which allows me to add more volume on my cardio days, so I can exercise in a, in a really comfortable way. All three of those also, by their nature, introduce some variability to my training at the same time. And so now, now I'm pretty well covered. Throw in some quality nutrition, and uh, and you're looking at a pretty healthy individual there. Yeah, you got it. And, and you, I don't, I'm sure they still work out. There's one guy I remember working out here pretty regularly. I think he was in his early 70s. And I thought he was like 15 years younger than he was. I was surprised. I think he was 72 or 73 at the time. And, and so exercise, you know, exercise is a key component for kind of slowing down the aging process, correct? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, and, you know, and, and now to finish up, if people are interested in finding out how they can get out of pain, do you, how, how, can they contact you or do you have education that can help people? Do you have any resources for people that might be in pain? and? looking for ways to get out of it? Absolutely. You know, I wrote a book um, called The Pain-Free Program, a proven method to relieve back, neck, shoulder, and joint pain. It's been around for a while. It still has a great deal of information and self-help exercises in it. We've also obviously got our studio here in San Diego, um, but we also work with people from around the world. They either come to see us or, or now through Skype and FaceTime, we, we, see, we serve clients all over. Our blog, functionfirst.com, has lots of great uh, articles um, related to this topic in general. And um, overall, I, I just think that, uh, you know, we're, what we do here, we do a really good job at what we do. We're not the only exercise people, but I think any of your listeners, in terms of what they might get from this, uh, if nothing else, they should have better questions to ask their medical providers that are working purely on an uh, injection kind of surgery, uh, medication kind of paradigm on how they're addressing what's going on with their bodies. Because I know that's one thing that you've done is you've taken people who've been told they need surgeries and they need certain drugs, you've actually been able, able to help them get out of pain without having those surgeries or out having to take drugs. Correct? Yes, and, that, and that's a combination of what we do with exercise, but it's equally important the education that we provide them and understanding what's going on with their body through this whole experience too, and then empowering them to be able to take control. So if people want to learn how to exercise and, and move away from pain, they can uh, check out Anthony Carey at functionfirst.com. Any other resources that you have? And is your book on Amazon? Uh, book is on Amazon. Yeah. Okay, I'll put links for that up on the show notes. So Anthony, hey man, I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Always hey. a pleasure to see you. Always Same a pleasure here, to see friend. another. He's another fellow of the San Diego Fitness Mafia. So uh, that wraps it up for this episode of all about fitness and if you want to find out ways to avoid pain and exercise to maximize your longevity just check the show notes and you'll see all the links about what we talked about today well there it is uh, some really good information about pain chronic pain and what really is fascinating is the fact that pain is as much psychological as it is physical if you find that you enjoy listening to all about fitness and you find it helping you in your quest 
to maximize your results from your exercise and fitness program, please visit iTunes or Google Play and add comments and reviews. The more reviews I have, the better the results are in the search engines, and the more people can benefit from hearing this information. Well, I apologize a little bit about the sound quality, but I'm still learning how to do this. I can tell you how to exercise almost every muscle in your body, but this whole world of podcasting is brand new to me. And on that note, if you have any guests that you'd like to hear from, any information you'd like to find out about fitness, please visit my blog and my website at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's PeteMcCallFitness.com. Send me an email, and I'd look forward to helping you. Have a wonderful day.